0: Welcome back to Collider's The Witching Hour. I am Perry, this is Haley, and guess what we're talking about today? The Suicide Squad!
1: Yeah, you probably could have guessed, but it's- I'm
0: so excited!
1: I'm excited too. There is much to discuss.
0: There is. But before we dig deep into the Suicide Squad, we do need to uh, give a little, like, kind of newsy update, because there's a big festival going on right now, and Haley, you have all the details on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's. I mean, it's a Suicide Squad, a just adjacent bit of an update. They did have a, a screening of the film. It is Fantasia for our Canadian listeners. They are currently underway. It, it kicked off on the 5th, I believe. And um, it is just one of the best festivals of the year for genre film lovers every year. It's an absolute hoot. I haven't had a time, a time, any. One, two, three, any of those times. It's Friday. Yeah, to get into my screeners as much as I would like to yet. Yeah, but they have some really exciting films on the lineup, including, let's see, what am I most excited to check out? Um, the new film from the director of The Gangster, The Cop, The Devil, which was a South Korean film thriller that I really enjoyed a couple years ago. They've got Tokyo Revengers, which I'm really excited to talk about, or talk about probably that too but watch mostly uh they've got richard bates jr new movie king knight they've got oh my goodness they have like 50 films it would be silly for me to sit here and list them so just go to their website check out the lineup it is geo locked to canada since it is a local festival and like normally you would have to be in canada to see the films they're taking a similar approach with the virtual rollout but they've got all kinds of good stuff and i'm super duper excited it is one of my favorite things to just plow through as many of these like dozens of films that I can so stay tuned for more updates throughout the freaking month because it runs the whole month it's an insane film festival I'm so excited to see whatever I can
0: you better get on all that because every single year I rely on you to give me like you know the, the Fantasia cheat sheet make sure I'm watching exactly what I should be
1: well, and here's some other related news. The uh, Fantastic Fest first wave came out this morning, and there are is a, a decent amount of carryover. So, if you are not in Canada and you're not able to access Fantasia, keep an eye on Fantastic Fest because they do have a lot of the highlights, um, like King Car and Mad God, uh, which is Phil Tippett's directorial movie and uh yeah there's lots of lots of cool crossover there so if you can't make fantasia there's still hope for a lot of these films
0: love me some phil Tippett. i don't mean to put you on the spot but do you know anything about the status of fantastic fest is it is it happening in person is it going to be hybrid
1: yeah i think they are taking a somewhat hybrid approach this year it is happening in person and well, you know, for now, everything being the way it is, things could change in the next few weeks in terms of what's Mm -hmm. like, like if any actual legislation comes out, you know, restricting these types of things. Um, but for now it is in person. It is a vaccination required event that was revealed today to much relief to a lot of attendees. Um, they, I do believe they are having like a virtual component as well for people who are not ready to be there in person. And, um, was, oh, the other part of vaccination required and masks required for any indoor activities.
0: Good to know. I will be following all of that because I'd like to go eventually.
1: I know. I know. Well, yeah, I was planning to make my grand return this year and it's still in the, it's still in the air as a possibility, but you know, things being what they are, it's very similar to like, we will see what the next few weeks are like.
0: Well, maybe I'll just copy whatever you do, because (laughs) I feel like that always puts me on a good path. Yeah. All right. Do we want to dig into the Suicide Squad now? Let's do it. All right. Well, you pretty much don't need a synopsis for this one, but just in case you do, and to, to stick with our usual format, obviously this movie is about Viola Davis's character, Amanda Waller plucking supervillains out of prison and putting them on an extremely dangerous mission. And if they complete the mission, they get a reduction on their sentences. So that's, that's what we're working with here. Haley, I already published a non-spoiler review, so I will let you do the honors right now. What are your non-spoiler thoughts on The Suicide Squad? All right,
1: let me start here. It's a whole heck of a lot of movie. So like, When I have specific thoughts about it, I have very specific thoughts about very specific portions of it, which is why the spoiler stuff might be hard for me, but I'm going to do it. Uh, I generally am extremely fond of it. I it was a film that because it is so much movie, I left the theater like maybe a little overwhelmed and not entirely sure how I felt about it woke up the next day, or even as I was like winding down the night, I saw it, it started settling in and I was like, Ooh, I might love this movie. Um, And then it, it is one of those things like where the longer you sit with it, the things I love stand out to me more and more and more. And the things I wasn't so crazy about diminish more and more. I I'm, I'm very fond of this film and I do think it has flaws, but overall the parts that I just love with my whole heart are what matter most to me.
0: Yeah, I think I ultimately settled on a four out of five. And I think some of the hesitation to go higher did come from the fact that, you know, it's it's a lot of movie. It's a lot of movie to fully digest on one watch. I did just watch it again, though. And I would feel very confident in bumping that up to a four and a half out of five. I definitely had the same experience as you did. And on rewatch can confirm that the parts that I like got even stronger and things that I thought, you know, maybe didn't have the same energy as some of the best parts in the film actually do play really well. they are a lot of fun to watch and they're very thoughtful. So my enthusiasm for the suicide squad has increased with another viewing. I think some stuff that we could talk about non-spoiler wise is maybe some of the best performances in the mix and Haley, you you tipped me off to this, and I'm glad you did, because sure enough, Daniela Melchior's Rat Catcher 2 wound up being my favorite character in the movie, and because of you, I put in the request to have her on Ladies Night, so thank you for that. What an excellent, excellent find for James oh Gunn. God. I know she's been, uh, you know, she's done a good deal of work in the film and television industry in Portugal, but being in a movie like Being in a Hollywood movie like The Suicide Squad, just like send your star soaring more so than any other Hollywood movie could. And, you know, I'm I'm a big believer that this movie could propel her into a, a very successful career. And it most certainly should because she's got the talent that's deserving of it. Absolutely. She's
1: really like this. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint the scene stealer because everyone's so good, but I think it comes across as her because we are not familiar with her in America so much. And even, you know, she has done previous work and it's not that long of a resume, though, like it really is a, a quite a find for Gunn in the casting department, um, because it's not like she's been working For 10, 20 years, you know, she's still relatively new across the board and just let, oh, she's like the heart of the film and she does so good in making me feel all the things I'm supposed to feel.
0: And when you think about her, you know, essentially being the heart of the movie and also holding her own opposite so many industry heavyweights. Like that, that's a real feat in and of itself. And one of my favorite elements of this movie that I think really successfully brings the ensemble together well is the fact that Ratcatcher has chemistry with literally everyone. Yeah. And it's like, it's its own unique form of chemistry. And it's such a, like, it's such a a key web to bringing this group together and ensuring that the movie has the emotional impact that that is intended, even though we are essentially watching a whole bunch of supervillains you know, be in the spotlight of a film. And I, I think she, she's key to making that work as well as it did.
1: She's so good. And she's so, um, I don't know, it's just one of those people where you're like, the camera loves you. Like you mm-hmm. just, she just, uh, not in a in a superficial way, but it just like, I mean, although she, of course, she's gorgeous and that's wonderful. Uh, but, but the camera reads her emotions so well. Like uh, the smallest, thought crossing through her eyes or a reaction to something really comes across
0: agree with that I will also add Petrus Elba to the list because you know like I know how talented he is I know how good he is but I feel like it's been a real long time since I I've seen him I don't know like since I've seen his ability and his range used to the fullest and and seen him, I don't know, like this is just my assumption as an outsider. I obviously can't know this for sure, but he seems so damn happy playing blood sport. And I feel like that kind of enthusiasm radiates off the screen. and makes me fall even harder for the character than I already did. And, you know, on top of that, there's so much about like Bloodsport and Peacemaker in particular and and a whole bunch of the other characters where it's delivery that really makes a line work. If you don't have an actor in the role who fully understands the movie that they're in and knows exactly the right intonation to put on on a line and also the right timing too, things don't work. And I feel like like he is a shining example of someone who really gets that, but there are many more in the ensemble, but his work in this movie has excited me more than most of his other performances have recently, even though there's other performances I can still recognize are quite good.
1: No, I, I agree. I was just scrolling through his, you know, the last five years or so on his resume while you we were saying that. And I, I think that's really hard to argue with. There's good stuff in there, but like, this is just, I don't know. It's a really interesting, like, low-key sort of relaxed comfy performance that's also really emotionally energized it's 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 a good one and definitely for me I think what I've you know he he was such like a, a hot rising name for like an absurdly long time for like two decades everyone was like rising star Idris Elba but I haven't seen that kind of energy from him in a while and it it's it's great and it's a great character fit for him. And I love that they like grade him up and m- made him look weathered and tired. I just, I love that approach to the character. I, I love his work. I love, again, to harken back to something you said, his just chemistry with everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. I was just about to bust out my notes that I took on my last watch, but I think I shall save those for the spoiler <laughs> of this conversation. But In in addition, I do need to make sure to give a big shout out to John Cena in the non-spoiler portion of our chat, because I brought this up in my other review, but, you know, as much as I don't like comparing too much, F9 did come out very, very recently, and that's a movie where it feels like he sticks out like a sore thumb to me. I agree. He just he doesn't feel like he's in the same movie as everyone else, or maybe what he can bring to a role like that wasn't necessarily used in the best possible way. Whereas this movie is like the exact opposite. It is soaking up every ounce of John Cena's talent and it is using it to the absolute fullest. And he just so clearly gets that character. You know, the whole idea of Peacemaker is, is this guy who... Will do anything to create peace, but anything means doing terrible things. And there's definitely comedy that can come out of equality in someone like that in a movie like this, but at the same time, you don't want to, you know, completely erase the fact that that makes him a terrifying individual. And I think the movie manages to capture both things really well. And yes, it is, it is from James Gunn's direction quite a bit, but it is also from Cena's ability and his understanding of the role. And I don't know, after seeing F9 and this so close to one another, I just like really need to applaud how well he nails this role.
1: Yeah. And this is like teetering into spoilers. So I'll be very careful with how I word it, but I think that maybe Peacemaker might be the most important character to have gotten right because he is like a very, the things you were talking about, like doing anything for peace up to and including war is very thematically what this movie is about. And if you don't get that character right, I don't think it works as well as it does. And just because, like you said, it is a lot, um, because we do have the contrast of F9, it's clearly uh, a lot of credit goes to Gunn's direction and writing as well. So I will take that opportunity since we focused on performance so far to just say, like, I think that It's really obvious that he threw a lot of things he's always wanted to do at the screen on this and they look incredible. Um, There are specific shots where I was like, man, I wonder how long he's been waiting to do that shot. Uh, And the writing from the trailers, I was like, man, is this film gonna be annoyingly funny? Like too insistent on its own cleverness. And I do think at times it threatens to get there. But it's grounded in enough emotion and well thought out thematics that it never fully crosses the line, Um, and it is in fact just very freaking funny. Like Mm. what a what a good script!
0: It really, it really, really is. It's so funny. The action is exhilarating, and it's got a really strong streak of heart in it too. And I didn't expect that element of the movie to be as powerful as it is. So, applause all around.
1: I agree. The idea that, you know, sort of I started with, which is that it is so much movie that is really hard to keep a handle on the way this film does and the way Gun does, because it is like probably six different genres throughout the course of this movie and somehow it all works together.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm so impressed. Can we just go into spoilers? I have so many Let's points to make. All right. This is your spoiler warning for the Suicide Squad, and I have my notes. So the first time okay. I just sat back, relaxed, I watched the movie, tried to soak it all in. Now now I've got like, you know, like stream of conscious notes that, I don't know, should we, should we just go through that? Yes, sure. Well, the first note is, what a fucking awesome opening.
1: It's a good opening.
0: It is a really it's, good opening.
1: It is like though, okay, so I will say this. This has one of my few like, actual criticisms of this movie is it has some of the most on-the-nose music cues I've ever heard in my life and uh, when that that first one came up I was like oh boy is this going to be the overly clever movie I feared it was fortunately moved past that and I do think the music cues can be a little like come on now James but uh other than that what a what a great intro to re like Part reintroduction to this world because it's not a sequel, but it obviously carries over characters and part of a, 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 like refreshing of this world, a how rebuilding did, of a new take on it.
0: How did you feel about the fake out of it all? Because of course we've been talking about this um, this massive ensemble with a whole bunch of very familiar names who are barely in the movie. So, do you like the way that they play that, or did that bother you at all?
1: It didn't bother me at all because I never for a second thought that wasn't what was going to happen. It just, there's no, I honestly don't even feel like they tried to hide it that much. It's so evident from the trailers and from that, what you might call stunt casting, but in a fun, like not aggressive way. Um, It didn't bother me. I thought, again, there was no version of me that didn't think that's what was happening.
0: The only one that bothered me was I really wanted to see more Captain Boomerang. So I was a little sad that he, that he was done after the the opening of the film but other than that kind of sensitivity it didn't bother me at all because that opening set piece is just so incredible and it's so much fun to watch too like literally everything like you know from from weasel drowning to uh you know to mongal screaming while she's taking down that helicopter. i was just like cackling and grinning throughout this entire thing and then pretty much everything that Nathan Fillion does as TDK. It's just like it is so delightfully absurd. I was loving every second of it.
1: I, I enjoyed the hell out of it and I have to say the weasel thing was such a good call because uh, even if you're like me and you believed that the opening would annihilate half of the cast, you couldn't have seen the weasel thing coming. It's just... Fucking hilarious. And it's a great way to be like, you might already know everyone's going to die, but you definitely don't know how.
0: Are those the noises that a weasel makes? Do I just not know, like, how a weasel behaves? Do I
1: strike you as a weasel expert, Perry? I have I no. I don't idea. know,
0: but I was just, <laughs> I think I was just so. I, I was kind of surprised by the way that weasel moved and weasel sounded and I, I was enjoying it. But now I'm like, I got to like, I don't know, look up a little more about what, what weasels are like. The only,
1: yeah, I don't really know anything about weasels except that I call our cat Khaleesi Louisa because she moves weird and is gross. I mean, that
0: it's kind of weasel. Yeah, <laughs> so that works. She's weasely. Um, another note that I took down earlier on in the movie was that Storm Reed, who only has two scenes in this movie, still stands out and is very good. I do think that the connection to Bloodsport's daughter winds up feeling like it has more life, even when she isn't on screen because of his connection with Ratcatcher 2. But in particular, that scene in the prison where they're just shouting fuck you at each other and talking about the damn TV watch, the two of them are so good together. I'm just watching a scene like that and thinking you are like, I've already believed this of her, but she, she's next level talent. She can make the most of such, such a small amount of screen time.
1: She, she can. And I, I co-sign that, but I also think that's a great example of a scene that requires the kind of like uh, knack for timing and delivery you were talking about mm-hmm. with Idris. Uh, I also love that scene because it is a really, um, like visceral kind of way to establish him as a full piece of shit like it's not we're so with these movies we expect to see them killing people and doing bad things but to just straight up tell your daughter like i don't give a fuck go away is a great way to establish that
0: i have another example that really highlights how good line delivery is and timing is throughout this movie and it comes up pretty much right after it's when they're all sitting in the presentation room and it basically just goes from the rat catcher projector thing to the peacemaker butthole thing then it's Nanawe's hand then it's um i think it's a blood sport asking like so we're all gonna die and then david dust malchin with the perfect delivery of i hope so yes
1: He is someone I meant to single out for performance in the non-spoiler and forgot what he's someone I feel like I always mistakenly think he's been in so much more than he actually has because he's he just always makes an impression
0: he he really is and that you know that's another another character that i feel like that's a lot of heavy lifting in order to sell sell the tone and the motivation and the growth of polka dot man throughout this
1: with very little that stood yes. out to me on my second watch i remembered him being in it way more than he actually is i mean he's around for most of it but he actually doesn't have that many lines
0: yeah i'm i'm so happy that he is though getting more of the spotlight throughout I'm glad he's getting more of the spotlight through being in the suicide squad for as much as he is, because he is another one that is just a hugely talented individual. And, you know, I, I don't think he's necessarily gotten the roles that reflect that.
1: For sure. No, this is a a great part for him. And I thought the, uh, you know, we're moving ahead of your notes a little bit, but I thought the design for his intergalactic virus was really neat.
0: Mm Mm-hmm the the design and also the execution of what it's like when he uses his powers and Gnarly. I was not ready for for the mother stuff but <laughs> oh my god that was funny like and it just it just gets funnier and funnier as they keep calling back to it I was, I was surprised how well that worked because when it first came up. I'm like, hmm, like, okay, but I don't know. And then, like, especially when it gets more emotional, when he references his brothers and sisters and what his mother really did to him, it's just- Like it it brings everything about that character together in yes, a very funny way, but also not without real depth and heart to it too. And I think I think across the board, that's what makes all of these characters so memorable is they're not just here for a good joke and for some cool action. There's like real purpose to what they're doing right now. And they actually all change from the beginning to the end of this film. Yes, that's a big thing. I mean, I, I just kept making notes about how there's even more- perfect delivery i think i think this one pertains to when they start talking about uh blood sports fear of rats which is yet another thing that's worked into this movie like all throughout it in the best possible way
1: well we should uh i will take that as an opportunity to say welcome to the pantheon of the best ever most lovable film animals sebastian i love you i
0: love sebastian so, so much. And I mean, really, really all the rats. I mean, I'm really jumping to the end with this one, but where did I write this quote? I wrote the, the quote down that he says, you know, when she flashes back to her father yeah. during the, uh, during the big fight at the end. And, and that line alone, just like it, it makes me appreciate rats and also want one. It's
1: two for two for making me tear up both times I've watched it.
0: So I also wrote down that other line that we were talking about. What, like, where is this line? Why do I not have it here? It was, I have it in the article I just wrote. I know that. And I'm bringing it, it bringing it up right now. I could do a good paraphrase, but I couldn't do a word. No, I have it. it. I have it here. It's rats are the lowliest and most despised of all creatures, my love. If they have purpose, so do we all. Yeah, it's beautiful. Give me that little nugget of an idea and I'm going to put it in my pocket and I'm going to take it around with me.
1: Yeah, it's very, very effective and sweet and makes me tear up and. I know that he said he didn't originally intend to have Taika play that character and my guess is probably that Tyco would have been Javelin because I could totally see his comedic timing playing for that role he's like the perfect person to deliver that that line because like James Gunn he tends to root all of his comedy not always but usually into something darker and more yeah. emotional so he's just got the knack for for making you laugh and feel good but also making you cry
0: I'm, I'm still sticking in the end of the movie right now, and I'm going to give you the line that I know you reacted to uh, very strongly, and I had to write it down word for word after. It's, it's basically right when Starro is going to die, and the last thing the creature says via one of the, the humans is, I was happy floating, staring at the stars. So fucked make me hate this Kaiju and wish that this band of heroes that I've fallen for could take him down and end him and then flip it all around, rip my heart out and tear it into a million pieces on behalf of the villain of this movie. Like what a yeah. what a brilliant move and a brilliant line to end that character with.
1: It's also like, you know, this is a very anti-imperialist film. It has a lot to say about US foreign policy, which I think is sort of its secret weapon. Uh, You just, it's not the deepest investigation into the evils of US foreign policy, but it is also way more than you probably expect to see in like a studio superhero, you know, quote superhero movie. Um, But that I thought was a really brilliant stroke because it's like, okay, how do you take the horrors of imperialism and make them even more horrific? You make it cosmic. You may like we went to this creature's place and fucked him. Like we just ruined his existence. Uh, and it's so deeply upsetting on several existential levels. that that sat with me for days. I was really upset by it.
0: Yeah. i I mean, the second you brought it up, I'm like, I need to go. I, I must have replayed that moment in the movie like twenty times over too. It's just like the whole thing is so well executed. And, you know, also like when you, when you consider every single stage of, of heroism that happens in that final sequence, like the idea of polka dot man stepping up and really believing that he's a hero and, you know, he's. Like he like he has value and then he's just squashed in an instant. You know, you have blood sports turn of basically not giving a shit and being ready to walk away, but then stepping up and leading them into this battle. There's there's so many like I love the nom nom stuff with with King Shark and and then the the team up, the team up of Ratcatcher and Harley Quinn. and we, didn't, we haven't even spoken about Margot Robbie, who I just like, oh, I know <laughs> say enough about right now. But the team up of those two characters and also the callback to to Javelin. <laughs> Like yeah. that gives that opening sequence even more value than I thought it was going to have. But the the two of them, in a sense, kind of, you know, building on what was done before in order to take down this massive beast that is going to threaten this city and then ultimately the world. It's just a, a really perfect capper to this whole journey. Yeah,
1: I well, we haven't touched on Harley, so I will do that now because mm-hmm. I am very openly obsessed with harley quinn i've written a billion things about the character i have researched that character for years and years and like every time i do that research for a new piece my love of the character only grows deeper i think this might and i i freaking adore birds of prey Mm -hmm. but i think this is my favorite depiction of her in movies so far um i just i mean every i don't even know where to start so i'll start with like Harley Quinn shooting a dictator while monologuing about recognizing red flags in relationships could. There's nothing has ever been made that's more for me, like ever. Yeah. I was completely moved and um, just really enthused and energized by that. I I think that her action scene later is phenomenal a real testament to how much work Margot Robbie has been doing to be able to do stunts herself. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is the best I've seen, the best use of her gymnast skills, the strength of like having that ability. Uh, Obviously she has additional strength in this um, particular take on the character, but I, I thought that was... there's something so powerful about her like using her arms not just to pull herself up but hold the full weight of a another human being Mm -hmm. and then doing her little toe crawl to get what she needs and rescue herself i love it i love it i love it i love the use of animation yes that is something i wish we saw more of in film this like Mm -hmm. mary poppins-esque hybrid
0: well it's also Like, I think that's the first time we get access to Harley's mind in a way that probably shows us what she's viewing in a moment like that. Like, I think that, you know, maybe she's not literally seeing flowers, you know, fall down, rain down around her while she's killing people, but like, that represents to me how she feels when she's doing stuff like this. And to be able to have that level of access to the character, it is like a visually stunning set piece, but it also brings you closer to her as a person. And I just want more of that all day long.
1: I love what you just said and I think it really just solved something for me I wasn't quite able to understand which is both times that I've seen that fight scene I got really emotional like really emotional by the end of it and it's because of the access to the character that is it's a very hard character to have access to.
0: Mm-hmm. Very well put Perry. You're real. Oh thank you. I was uh I was busy obsessing over that while I was re-watching that scene 500 times. <laughs> oh man there's just there's there's so much. There's so much. I feel like there was something else I wanted to jump to after that. Um, oh, I mean, then, then we kind of get into, we kind of get into all the the peacemaker stuff or the specifics of, of his mission or, or the secret part of his mission that the rest of the group isn't aware of. And like, I, I find myself thinking myself in circles on the matter and like in a disturbing way but also also a good way because on my second watch I got re- like especially hung up on the fact that you know peacemaker was there to destroy that data and to make sure it never gets out into the world and you know they recognize this at the end of the movie but that's essentially what bloodsport and co wind up doing you know they choose themselves over getting the the information out there and making it widely known and You know, like the other, the other really upsetting thing to me is that when peacemakers like, like we, the only way we can uphold peace is if we hide this information. And it's so disturbing to me that there's some truth, but it's like, is that the kind of peace that you want in the world? You know, you know what I mean? Like, like. Yeah, if you hide shit like that, no one's no one's gonna get mad at the U.S. and try to fight. So, in a sense, yeah, he creates peace by doing that. But it's it's like a like a poisonous form of peace. And when you think of a character creating that form of like, is it peace at all anymore? That's why I was saying I think about he. It. Yeah,
1: that's what I was saying. I think he was the most important one to get right because he is the the thematic core of what this movie is saying about uh, US foreign policy.
0: It's so frustrating. Yes, like it, it like makes my skin crawl just thinking about that whole mentality and ugh.
1: I've seen like some some early criticism floating around that it's like a really superficial take on U.S. foreign policy. And I like go back to like, yeah, but did you ever even expect that in this movie? No. And if it, if it makes uh, more people question it and feel what you're feeling, think about the things that we do to maintain our peace. This isn't peace for the countries that we're in. It's our peace. Uh, then I think that's a really positive uh, effect for a film like this to have.
0: I do think that they're very successful in that respect, but for anyone who wanted more depth to that element of this movie, I mean, this is just me speculating, but I'm guessing that the fact that James Gunn then wanted to go make a peacemaker series might yeah. mean that he feels that itch as well and, you know, I'm not going to say that's easy. I think that literally everything they do with Peacemaker in this movie gives me all the faith in the world that that series is going to be real good but if they're going to add that extra layer if they're going to take that quality of of the character to a new level to another level I that's that's going to be a a real significant challenge yeah
1: I I can't wait to see how they try to pull it off in a series length situation but on that note I also wanted to add another part of the movie that like emotionally rocked me i got i was shocked by how many times i got emotional in this movie but it was just when the uh the employees stood up against amanda waller yes it gets me people rise up this is a people rise up movie and it gets me
0: it get and it get that one got me especially good because i didn't expect it like yeah. I just well they're
1: kind of they're built up to be shitty and cavalier and not caring right
0: they kind of are, but they're kind of not. I noticed I noticed more, more suspicious glances from the beginning of the movie on. Yeah. It's like they they go pretty hard on the idea of like you wouldn't really do that to his daughter, would you? So
1: even when he's like, he's gonna she was gonna kill his daughter, one of the other. I think the lady who ultimately knocks Amanda Waller out kind of goes, eh, like they are kind of built up to be pretty shitty. They're betting on who's gonna die.
0: No, that's true. That's true the The the, sea, the seeds were there, though, but even though certain seeds, I think were were kind of planted and maybe gave me light hints that this could happen, I don't know. There's something about Viola Davis in that role, that even though she's like like a fictional character, like like I'm afraid to breathe when she's on screen. I could I could feel that pressure as an audience member.
1: Talk about doing a lot with a little. What, I mean, she deserves an Oscar for every role she ever does. And I always go back to thinking about how to get away with murder, the level of work she was delivering every week on a broadcast show. Um, But honestly, the amount that she is able to, like the energy and the, the intensity she's able to put out with a single look, I am shit scared of her. Like, uh, when oh my god, and she's so funny. The look she gives when they're like, "Did anyone ask if Weasel could swim?" and she just gives this side look. Oh, what a killer! What an absolute yeah. on-screen killer.
0: She she's so good, but also to give the the actor who who actually hits her over the head a, a brief a brief shout out here. I had her yeah. name. Um, oh god, I'm not going to pronounce her name right. Tanashi Kaji's. I don't know.
1: I'm sure Flow,
0: flow, flow, crawly. But so she hits her over the head, and then there's another like A plus line of dialogue there where she says something like, like she spots another guy just staring at you know the uh, the aftermath of what just happened, and says something like, like get on the satellite, you dickhead. And <laughs> <laughs> it was just so perfect. I cackled and I loved it.
1: Yeah they uh I that's like an unexpected highlight of the film for me is this monitoring crew. It sort of reminds me of Cabin in the Woods. Like you don't go to Cabin in the Woods expecting the the government side yes. of things to be some of the most entertaining stuff and they really they they are kind of stealing the show from time to time in this amidst all these much crazier antics
0: while i was looking up her name i just noticed the delightful fact that apparently the two rats or two of the rats that are on imdb that played sebastian are named jaws and Chris Brett.
1: adorable i
0: like them i like them quite a bit <laughs> um who else did we not what did you think of alice braga's character
1: underserved
0: yeah that was that's probably like the only the only significant like script nitpick I would have
1: especially like okay so especially for a film that is so invested in critiquing like the way we use and abuse other countries Mm -hmm. I think that to have the punchline of them having wiped out like so many of her people and then not respectfully go back to give the her character any meaningful due is, it rubs me the wrong way. I've gone back and forth on this personally. How do you feel about the sort of like, let's say, pulp fiction-y approach to rolling out the events of the film? It goes forward, it goes back, it goes forward, it goes back.
0: I... Have no objections to it because it played so smoothly for me. And I feel like the order of events wound up bolstering the impact of, of certain scenes.
1: I, I think I agree. I, again, I have gone back and forth. There were times when I first watched it that I felt I was being jerked around a little bit. And I would mm-hmm. sometimes feel that um, pulling us backwards, like, reduced the intensity for me. Um, but Ultimately, I don't think it's like a make or break thing. It's I, I'll probably have to hash that out a little bit more with some subsequent rewatches, how I fully feel about it because sometimes I think it elevated and sometimes I think it reduced.
0: Well, the I guess the bit the big two would be going back at the very beginning to re to to show the audience that there's another Suicide Squad out there. That's a big one, and I I that don't that one
1: if, totally works for me. You're,
0: you're more talking about the events at Jodenheim where. You're basically yeah. with them and you see you see the building start to crumble. And it is said that they detonated the explosives too early, but technically we don't know that that happened until they flash back and show us what Bloodsport, Harley, and Polka Dot Man had been up to.
1: Yeah, I guess I that is probably the major one for me. And I'm unconvinced still, I uh, will continue to watch and figure out how I feel, but I'm unconvinced that that approach Um, improved the finale in a way that wouldn't have felt like been as good with a more conventional narrative approach?
0: I will, I will argue the opposite and say that the material below ground is so haunting, intense, Mm. so haunting and intense that if you had broken it up, and intercut with another sequence of events, it might've taken away from the sheer terror of what's going on down there.
1: That's an interesting perspective. My counter is that I am so emotionally and I never thought I would say this, never in a million years, I think I would say I was so emotionally invested in Rick Flagg and then by going back, you lose a lot of that emotion that had just been built up so beautifully.
0: I will say that that's a fair point. Yeah, I, I guess both. both, both out how I feel both fair points that I think it does yeah. take away from the end of Rick Flag, but also I will agree that like Rick Flag, <laughs> come on. <laughs> like, why why am I loving that character? Is my, like I just, you know, we're we're watching a movie with a, a cast of big colorful out of this world characters. And then, you know, there's this fairly basic military man i just thought he wouldn't really get to me as much as the as i would enjoy watching the other characters here and that was very much not the case and it's some of joel kinnaman's best work i thought he was fantastic in this one
1: i think it's the first time i've seen a movie or show let him have fun everyone yeah. always makes it so serious and he's mm-hmm. a fun guy you see it in his interviews a lot he's like a a funny fun dude and i really like seeing that part of him come through in this character and i think that uh, across the board this is a highlight of the film but also what really worked for him specifically was allowing there to be affection and friendship in the mix like um him and harley care about each other him and um bloodshot care about each other like um Bloodsport, sorry, um, they, there's that, not, I don't want to do the whole thing where we compare this to Suicide Squad 2016, they're entirely different movies that went through entirely different processes, but there's not that sense of camaraderie and affection between anybody, and so, like, who cares, like, when we lose flag. We don't just lose that character here. We lose the established relationships. We know that these characters mourn for him. And so we mourn for him.
0: The movie also does a really good job showing why every single member of the Suicide Squad was essential by the end. So it's like as they start to drop off, even though ultimately they do head towards finishing the mission and saving the day in a sense... Like every single time they lose someone, you lose that like that value or their or that asset that they could be using to get to to success in the end. And and you, you feel you feel the the weight of rich flag's value just like disintegrate.
1: Yeah. And I this is <laughs> I don't know if it was an improv thing, if it was in the script, but I have to give one of my favorite visual gags is him rubbing Harley's back with a gun when she hugs him. I think that is a wonderful touch.
0: <laughs> that's a good one. I also loved his last line in the movie.
1: Oh, so good.
0: He's made. And a great reaction. A shot
1: from Cena.
0: So like, yeah, that's getting me really hyped for more John Cena- peacemaker and that that kind of feeds into what I brought up before of like the really stress inducing mental gymnastics that I was doing assessing that character because in a moment like like how did you read a moment like that because it looked like it genuinely hurt him to me and there's there's also there's certain line delivery that happens in the moments leading up to him being like fuck you all I am going to destroy this disc no matter what it means there's just certain line delivery that like felt like it Came from a place of truth. Like I think at one point he maybe says he like says sorry to Ratcatcher before. I think it's even before he was going to kill her. I think it happens even before that. But like I, I felt like a little part of him was sorry. Oh, I do. I think especially with
1: Flag because he respects him as he says as a hero, yeah. a genuine hero like you. But I think that's the point of the character is mm-hmm. even knowing that it's wrong and feeling the guilt about it it doesn't matter because the mission is all there is and i think that makes it work way better
0: peacemaker just sucks in the best possible way (laughs) like where i can't stop watching i want more of him (laughs) well you're gonna get it i know i can't wait for that um as we wind this down what what are you what are you thinking or predicting in terms of you know the next steps for whether it's james gunn in the dc franchise for for the suicide squad and a potential sequel any ideas? I don't know. I mean,
1: Gunn is in a really interesting place in his career right now. Because uh, once, I mean, it feels certainly like his journey with Guardians is at its end after this for the time being. Um, I The way he speaks about this movie and the experience of making it, I would not be the slightest bit surprised if he wanted to do more. Yeah. Um, but this is the kind, I guess what I will do is less of looking forward and more of looking at right now. Like, um, this is a great example of why I love the approach DC has been taking in the last few years, because this is not a sequel. It is not, not a sequel. It is its own thing and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's the best way to handle it one at a time with the best filmmaker, with the best story. Uh, don't, don't get so hung up on your continuity and your your world building and also not in a way like it doesn't even feel uh let's say like the X-Men films have the most confounding continuity of all time uh but they uh, still sort of seem to want to say that they are set in the same timeline and this is one big story and it makes no sense at all so this where they're like it doesn't make sense and that's fine it's it's a story feels way more, I don't know, comic booky to me, like appropriate to the form. I love it.
0: I like everything you just said. And I've been saying I've been saying this for the past couple of years because I also love love birds of prey and some other things that they're doing. I like the idea of abandoning being shackled to continuity and just being able to take big swings and have fun and try new things. The problem in this particular case is that James Gunn just gave me an ensemble of characters that I am obsessed with and that I want more content with. <laughs> so
1: I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll see more if this may it's, it comes down to numbers really. If it does well then I'm does sure it we'll really see
0: more. right now though? Yeah.
1: I mean, we may not get to see all the numbers because streaming is a mystery, but I do think ultimately, yes, it always comes down to the numbers.
0: I think, no, it like that was, I guess that was a silly comment. Like, I think it does come down (laughs) to numbers, but- like the fact that the that that kind of math feels so like hazy and gray to me right now I think that there's more wiggle room if traditional numbers aren't there they could still justify making more of something if you know what I mean like it just like it doesn't feel like you can quantify current success with the green light to make another movie right now in any in any sense
1: yeah oh yeah if we're looking at like traditional box office analytics for sure um I guess, and I, it's, uh, it's that interesting thing we've talked about as well, like maybe as we're seeing with Peacemaker, maybe that's not so cut and dry anymore in terms of what a sequel even looks like in the era of streaming and these, you know, massive corporate uh, multi-branch true. Uh, distribution situation we're in. Uh, but I do, I mean, obviously we'll see more in Peacemaker, but I would be, I would be fully shocked if that was the only thing we saw come out of this. And like, I think Margot Robbie's been saying like she needs a break from Harley Quinn. Fair enough. You did a bunch really back to back. But I also don't think that's the last we'll see of that. I mean, it's a huge, she's clearly fully invested in this character with the the amount of care and attention she gave to Birds of Prey and uh, the amount of, as I mentioned, work she's put into being able mm. to do her own stunts. That's obviously something that'll last her whole career, but it was very much tied to this character. She loves this. So I don't think this is the last we'll see of Harley Quinn.
0: Neither do I. But, like, you know, Harley goes off and does her own thing that makes sense. And then Bloodsport, Ratcatcher, and Nanawe live happily ever after. And we just get, you know, a day-in-the-life movie with the three of them. Yeah, perfect. I solved it. That's that's the movie we should get.
1: Oh, I before we wrap, I just thought of another thing that really emotionally got me that I didn't expect was uh, Nanawe's loneliness. Like, totally hit me. Um, I mean, it's a universal feeling. We all get lonely but yeah. man, they did a great job when he's just walking around after everyone left to do the mission or when he's sitting in the van on his own. I'm like, oh, dude, or I even, would sit with you.
0: Or even when he's in Jotunheim and he puts the little bomb on the wall and then all of a sudden he turns around and everyone's gone. Because exactly it, isn't that like that is a that's like a realistic, lonely, like, For someone who has a fear of being lonely, that's a very realistic thing to be concerned about. That, like, you focus on something else and then you turn around and everyone's gone.
1: Gone. It's too late. Everyone's gone. I know. God, it really worked for me.
0: And then he goes and he tries to reach out to those little jellyfish creatures and they just turn out to be evil.
1: I know. This is why we need Ratcatcher, too. We need a sweetheart there for Nanaui.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that they're friends in the end. All right. (laughs) Any last minute thoughts before we close this out?
1: Um, no, nothing jumps out right now, but I'm sure I'll continue to talk about this on future episodes. Cause I have a lot of feelings about this. Episode.
0: I will probably do the same. Cause I have already confirmed that I will not be able to stop watching this movie. It is highly rewatchable and I friggin love it. All right. Before we go, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, I don't think so. Um,
1: I think all my cool stuff has come out that I don't know if when we last the full Jason Blum Collider Connected is finally available on the Collider interviews YouTube if you haven't checked out I cannot recall if the last time I brought it up it was like a, that's coming out or it just came out but it is it's out that's go watch it he said a lot of really interesting yep. stuff about the industry
0: this is a very very good conversation I highly recommend mm-hmm. it guess what I'm going to plug ladies night. Cause yeah, I got two, I actually, I got three genre things to plug. So the last episode was with Kiana Madeira from fear street, who is lovely. And we talk about a lot of horrory things. So that's up and running. The Daniela Melchior episode went up today as of the day of this recording, at least. So you could check that out. We also have a lot of spoiler information from that, uh, from that interview about uh rat powers Where she draws the line on empathy, a great question that came from Haley that I'm glad you told me about because I got a good answer from it. And then the next episode, it was actually just put in the can, is with Olivia Scott-Welch from Fear Street, who is a big horror fan, which obviously made that conversation a breeze and way too short for me. So keep an eye out for that one as well.
1: Can't wait to see that. She seems like a total sweetheart
0: and like she knows her shit. All of that is correct. (laughs) All right. That's it. You have officially survived the witch camp.